Wow, that's cool. What's up, you guys? Uh, thank you, Ricky. I don't know if that was a compliment. I'm going to take it as a compliment. Um, I am from our West Little Rock campus. Where y'all at? Blue team, what up? Okay, y'all, I could not get on this stage fast enough. I just got so fired up in worship. And here's the thing. I know that at the top of a message, you're supposed to like chat and do some get to know you things, but I'm going to skip all that today. Is that okay? Is it okay? Are you ready? Are you ready for this? I know that the worship team did an amazing job of preparing our hearts for what the Lord has to say. And being here last night and listening to Sean and then Danielle and then Ricky, I thought, are we all looking at each other's notes? The answer is no. The answer is that the Lord has something to say. And that's the reason you're hearing a lot of the same thing again and again, the same thought again and again, because he is speaking that over this conference. And about six months ago, I was just driving down the street and I felt like a download from the Lord, this idea, and he said, this is for Collide. And I didn't know what that meant, so I just thought, okay, well, I'll pray for that and steward it. And then maybe a month later, two months, Tanner called me and he said, hey, would you consider speaking at Collide? And I said, actually, yes, I would be happy to. I already know what I'm going to talk about. And I wasn't sure, honestly, how it was going to fit into the conference, this idea. But now, being here, I totally get how it fits. And the Lord keeps reminding me that he has no rival. He has no equal, right? He has no rival. And that's why this conference is so important, because it's making us pause and gaze upon the glory of the Lord. And Daniela used that word, the weight of his glory. And for me, something that makes me pause and consider the glory of the Lord is like space, like outer space, right? Anytime I see a picture of it, it just sets things into perspective for me again about who my God is and what he's up to and that he is the creator. And there's been this new like, is it a telescope? Or it's like a satellite or something. Honestly, if someone gave me the correct answer, I still wouldn't understand. But there's this thing in space now that's like sending us pictures back. Have you guys seen these? This is one of the, ver the very first ones that it sent back. A few weeks ago, we saw this for the first time. Look at that. Those are galaxies. Galaxies on galaxies on galaxies on galaxies. Okay, it reminds me of the scripture from Isaiah 40. God says, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, asks the Holy One. Look up to the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. So the first time I saw that picture, y'all, I just stared at it. I zoomed in. I stared at it again, zoomed out. Zoom back in, stared at it again, and I thought, well, I have to share this on Instagram. So I shared it, and the best caption I could come up with was that mind-blown emoji. Like, that's the best I got. I have no words for this, right? That was the first time humanity had ever seen that. There's just stuff like that out in space. We don't even know about it, and it's giving glory to God. We don't even, we haven't even seen it yet. And so now, it's becoming more common. Like, I'm seeing that picture a lot more. Have you guys started to see it more on socials? So now when I see it, I stare at it for about a split second and then I just keep on scrolling 
to the Little Miss memes or people organizing their fridge, because that's my algorithm. And I think, wait a second, wait a second. This cannot become commonplace. The glory of the Lord cannot become so commonplace in my life that I don't stop and consider it and I just move on to the next thing. And so in this conference, you have, you're doing it. You're stopping scrolling, figuratively and hopefully literally. Okay, we're pausing and we're considering that he deserves our glory, that he is worthy of it at any cost to me, that he is a creator, the one who holds all things together, even the things we're not even aware of that are out in orbit right now. He has no rival. But there is one who tried. There is one who tried to rival the Lord, and his name is Satan. And I'm pivoting. Wow, we're pivoting, right? I'm two minutes in. I'm already talking about the devil. Okay, good morning. Uh, There's two issues that I see when considering him. Number one is you don't believe he exists, so you completely ignore him. Or number two is you are terrified of him, and you give him way more credit than he deserves, and you blame him for things he didn't have anything to do with. Did y'all grow up in a family like this? Like your mom's driving around and she's like, the devil took my parking spot at Walmart. You're like, mm. or you failed a test and you're like, oh, the devil was distracting me. It's like, not my fault, it's the devil's fault. Or um, maybe you slept in and you missed practice and you're like, oh, the devil would be so busy in my life. Like his one plan that day was to keep you from volleyball practice. Like that ain't it, y'all, that ain't it. We can be so skewed in our perspective of him, but today we are gonna set it straight. And Jesus did not shy away from this topic, so why should we? When we don't talk about him, we miss a really big picture of the story that the Lord has for us. And now I'm gonna give you this weird little story time where I give you some background about it. Now this is just a fun fact. You know, he was never given a official name. He's only given titles in scripture and images that are used to describe him, like a snake, or a scorpion, or a dragon, all our favorite things, right? (laughs) But today I'm going to call him Satan, which just means the adversary, the one who is against the Lord and against you. But that was not actually always the case. He was a cherubim in heaven, did I say that right? Cherubim, whatever, he was an angel in heaven, And he had a job to do. He was created. God is the only uncreated one. Satan was created, okay? And he was created for a purpose. He had instruments in his being and he was beautiful. And his job was to reflect glory back to the Lord and to lead everyone in worship to him. And one day he decided to try to take glory from God and keep it for himself. And there's an account of this in Isaiah 14, and I want you to listen to the language here. You're gonna notice it right away. There's some directional language that is there on purpose. This is the Lord speaking to Satan, and he says, how far, or I'm sorry, how you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning, you have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, this is what he was thinking that day, he tried to take some glory from the Lord. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountains of the gods far away in the north. Are you noticing this language? I will climb to the highest heavens 
and be like the most high. But the Lord said, instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest depth. Satan's ultimate desire is to become like God, to rival him, to be his equal, to be above the Father. Yet he was cast down out of heaven to the lowest of depths. And Jesus was there to see this. And by his account, he says that he fell like lightning. The second he tried to take glory from God, he was cast down instantly and fell from heaven like lightning. So today I am unafraid to talk about the one who has been cast down. I am unafraid to call him by his names. I'm feeling like Harry Potter up here. I'm like, Voldemort, what? I ain't even scared. I ain't even messed up about it because there is no one like our God. He has no rival and no equal and no one can take his glory. And the more I read scripture, the more I see that I have no reason to fear him. I will call him by his names and I will tell him what he is. He is my adversary, the accuser, the tempter and father of lies. He is a murderer and the deceiver of the world. You must be bold. Imagine what the Lord can do with a generation unafraid. Because what I'm gonna say next is really important. He was cast down to earth. And guess who lives on earth? We do, right? That's where we come in. I picture it going something like this. He gets cast down to earth. He stands up. He's not as pretty as he once was. He's kind of shaking off the dust. And he says, oh, well, who's going to worship you now? And I picture the Lord just grabbing some dirt and breathing in it and creating man and saying, they are. They are going to worship me. Did you know? Yeah, come on. You were created to give God glory. You were created with instruments in your being. You have vocal cords to sing and hands to clap and feet to stomp. You were created to be beautiful, a beautiful image bearer. Think about the way that humanity in billions of different ways reflect glory back to God in the unique way that only you can. You were created to find the most fulfillment and satisfaction in the presence of your creator who knit you together in your mother's womb in the secret place. You are no accident. You are not an accident. You were created by the one who says that every day of your life was written before you even lived one. That was the Lord's desire and intention in creating you. But of course, in the garden, the enemy was there. And he invited Adam and Eve into his rebellion against the Lord. And they said yes. They too chose to keep glory from God with pride in their hearts. Who's encouraged this morning? <laughs> Say with me, because there is good news here. The moment that the world broke and the enemy thought he, has, he had won, God became dirt. Through Jesus, God came down and became dirt to be a truer and better Adam, to take on flesh and to do what we could never do for ourselves, to choose us and to empty himself of that glory and die so that your soul could be redeemed as he resurrected from the dead and broke the power of the enemy on your life. If you choose to be, 
You are a place where the Spirit of God rests. Heaven and earth collide in you through Jesus. If you choose to be, you are a vessel for the kingdom of God. And he says that you are loved, that you are accepted, a child of God who is redeemed, forgiven, chosen, and set apart. The enemy has no power over you. What weapon formed against you could prosper? when the God of angel armies who has no rival is on your side and the enemy hates you for it. He hates you for it. If you are in Christ, then his desire is to distract you, discourage you and deceive you because he could not ascend. And so his next plan is you because you have been invited to the table of the Lord and he knows that. And he's not trying to cancel your invitation. He can't do that. You can't even do that. Instead, what he's trying to convince you to do is to say, I don't want to go. To give up your seat at that table. To say, I'm not going to do what I was created for. I'm not going to give glory to God. Because what he's saying is, don't glorify God. Glorify me. And I'm here to tell you his, his big plan because he sounds really intimidating, but it's really not. Everything he does fits into these two categories, distractions and counterfeits. Distractions and counterfeits. That's all he has, y'all. That's the playbook. So when you think about distractions, it's really simple. Distractions make you ignore Jesus. Distractions make you ignore Jesus and give glory to the wrong things. You were created to give glory. We cannot help ourselves. You look around the world and we are giving glory all the time. Everyone worships something. But this one is a little bit easier to spot, these distractions. I'm talking about false religions, okay? Maybe you have been dabbling in the teachings of Buddha and Allah, or you've started to get into tarot cards and witchcraft, or maybe you've been worshiping money, or yourself, or sex, or power, or the things of this world. And I know that some of you, probably as soon as you walked in the building last night, started to feel something stirring in you, and you don't know what that is, and it's conviction, and it's a good and beautiful thing because you're starting to realize that you have ignored Jesus and followed a distraction. But there is good news for you because the Bible tells us that every other God is an idol who cannot see and cannot hear, but there is one true living God. And the reason that you are searching for something is because you know that you're supposed to be giving glory to something, but you don't know where to give it. And you've been searching in the wrong places, but today you came to the right place and you're gonna find the real thing. And for some of you, when you think about distractions, you're like, yeah, I'm not gonna fall for that. Like, it seems like if that was the plan of the enemy, you would know it. You see the Israelites worshiping a golden calf, you're like, okay, well, I mean, I'm not gonna do that. Like, I promise I will never take off my jewelry, melt it down, turn it into an animal and start dancing around it. Like, no problem at all. Satan is no match for me. You're the one who goes to the scary movie and the guy runs up the stairs while someone's trying to stab him and you're like, that's dumb. I'll never do that, right? Or uh, maybe you hear that the enemy is a lion who wishes to devour you and you're like, well, just stay away from the lion. Like, don't go to the place where the lion is. You're thinking, I'm not gonna fall for these distractions. Now, this reminds me of a really random story that I don't have time for, but I'm gonna tell you anyways. Uh, my son's name is Ro. I have a picture of him. 
<laughs> That's how you go bowling while you're a Power Ranger. <laughs> He's fully committed to the lifestyle of a ninja. Uh, I also have a picture of my daughter, June, who I'm not talking about today, but geez, look at that face. Oh, come on. So Ro is four and he's very smart and a very tough ninja, of course, but he's kind of a processor and he has a bit of a tender heart. And so a little while ago, my husband Rick took him on a walk and they were walking and they came across a dead squirrel. It had been flattened. It was worst case scenario. He'd never seen anything up close like this. And Rick said he just stopped and looked at it. And he just very slowly walked by it, never taking his eyes off. It took him a really long time. And they finally got past it. And Rick said, are you okay? And he just burst into tears. And he's just like, you know, his four-year-old brain is like, what is life? What is death? What are we even here for? Like he was having a little existential crisis. And so we got home and he was fine. Okay. We calmed him down and he was fine. And hours later, we're playing Legos or something. And he just stops playing, looks off to the side and says, that squirrel just wasn't fast enough. It's like, okay. And I thought, oh, he's still working through it. For days, he would do this. For days, we would be playing. No one's talking about that squirrel. And he would stop playing, look off to the side and say, think that squirrel's in heaven? It's like he was recalling his time in Nam or something. Like he was never quite the same after this. Uh, but he is a processor and sometimes things take him a little while. And I had told him the account of Adam and Eve in the garden and of the serpent and the fall of man. And he's like, okay, that's a lot for a four-year-old. So days later, he comes up to me and he says, okay, mom, I've been thinking about that story and I decided that it scares me. And I said, okay, buddy, well, what is it that scares you? And he says, the snake, the snake scared me. And it got me thinking because nowhere in scripture does it say that Eve was scared of the snake. It says she was convinced by him. I am here to submit to you today that sometimes the plans of the enemy are more cunning than you think. And oftentimes when he speaks to you, it's going to sound right. It might even scratch that itch you have, and it's going to line up perfectly with what the world is telling you. I know this is intense, but like you have to know this. I love you. You can't miss this happening in your life. You need to be awake to it. And there was this true story about this lady who had a snake for a pet, okay? Which is such an interesting life choice, but like whatever. Um, and that giant python was her little buddy. They did everything together. And one day she noticed that he stopped eating. She was really worried about him. For days and days and days, he wasn't eating. And so she takes him to the vet. I can't even imagine like how you do that. How you get a snake in the car? Anyways, um, so she takes him to the vet and the vet says, yeah, okay, so he's not eating. She's like, yeah, he hasn't been eating for weeks. And he says, by any chance, is he like, they say sleep in the same bed, okay? Is he like laying out flat next to you, like in a straight line? And she's like, yes, he's been doing that for days. And the vet said, yeah, so here's what's going on. That snake is preparing to eat you. Oh my gosh, just sit with that. <laughs> that snake was sizing her up. Can I tell you that that snake is not your friend? That snake is not your friend and you have to be aware of its moves and you need to know when and how to put it down. This is serious. Like, let's be honest about what's at stake here. Because when we're honest about what's at stake, it makes what God has done all the more powerful. I don't have to downplay the plans of the enemy in my life. I can see them for what they are. I know he's cunning. I know he can wreak havoc, but he still can't rival the alpha and the omega. 
when you are in Christ, it's not God versus Satan. That's not how it works. They're not even in the same category. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. You don't need to be fearful, rather you need to be on watch. And this next one, the first one was distractions. Sometimes those are easier to spot. The second one is a sneaky one, it's counterfeits, okay? God creates and Satan counterfeits. Satan can only counterfeit what God has created. How many of y'all have ever been to New York City? Even the way I say it is dumb, New York City. Every time I go, it's like the rednecks came to town, y'all. I only have embarrassing stories from there. One time, we were, at this, we were in the subway, and I don't know what happened. In the hustle and bustle, my beautiful grandmother got on a subway train, and we look over, like, right as the doors are closing in her face, and we're like, Mimi, where are you going? We didn't know what train she was on. This was many, many years ago, and our flip phones did not work in the tunnels of New York City, so we just had to pray. We didn't know what train she was on. We didn't know if she knew how to get back. We didn't know where she was going, how long it was going to be, so we just sat there and waited, and y'all have a picture. She made it back. Everyone's like, you're not locals, are you? You guys aren't from around here. Um, another time I sat on the curb in Brooklyn sobbing because I was pregnant and I wanted a cheeseburger, a really specific cheeseburger, and I couldn't figure out how to get there from where we were. So I just sat on the curb and cried. Everyone's like, go home, okay? But the best story by far, the very first time I ever went to New York, I went to Chinatown. It was not for the delicious food. It was for the Fake purses, that's what's up. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, when we were there, it was very obvious why we were there. Okay, so the guy finds us and he's like, are you guys here for the fake purses? And we're like, yes, fake purse guy, what's up? He's like, shh, like obviously stop yelling about it. So we're like, oh my bad. So we follow him down an alleyway. We're like giddy. And he unlocks the door. We go through the door and then he locks it again. And I thought, well, this is the end. He's for sure gonna kill us, but like there's nothing we can do about it now. And so then another locked door, we go through it, he locks it behind us. And I thought, yeah, they'll never find our bodies. Like maybe they'll make an episode of Law and Order about it or something, because this is not gonna be a solved crime. And then he opens one more locked door, three locked doors, and we enter into the room of my dreams. Tables full of Prada and Gucci and Louis Vuitton and Chanel and all the ones that I can't pronounce. And boy, we filled those bags up. Do they still make you carry them in trash bags. That was what they did in 2007. And so we're walking around with like trash bags around Manhattan for the rest of the day because I'm pretty sure it's illegal, but everyone knew what was going on. And I got this Louis Vuitton purse. And y'all, I could not tell the difference. To me, I thought maybe it was real and they like stole it or something. <laughs> I don't really care. I had not seen a real Louis Vuitton. I'm from Conway, where's my Conway people at? What up? Six legs, yeah. So I had never seen the real thing. So I was feeling really confident about it. And this is what the enemy does. He counterfeits the real thing. A counterfeit is something that is made to forge or imitate without the authority or right to do so with the intention of deceiving, of passing the false for the true. Second Corinthians tells us that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. I knew that my purse was fake, but oftentimes people purchase a counterfeit and they don't know it. They think it's the real thing until they learn otherwise and usually it's the hard way. I look around the world today and I could write a list of 30 things, y'all, 
good things that the Lord created that the enemy has now trying to pass a counterfeit of. Love, truth, freedom, sex, gender, community, peace, success. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But now because of these counterfeits, we can both claim love, but we mean two different things. And it's not so obvious. Two purses, one real, one fake. Can you tell the difference? And the reason that he does this is because he knows that the real thing produces worship in your heart and flourishing in your life. And so he takes it and he warps it and he wants to convince you that what he's offering is the real thing. And it's gonna go by the same name and many others won't notice the difference. This is what happened in the garden. He came to Eve and he said, surely you won't die. She knew the word of God, yet he's taking it and he's confusing her. I know God told you that you would die, but are you sure that's what he meant? Maybe you misunderstood. And she bought into it and boy, was it a counterfeit. Y'all, he tried to do this to Jesus in the desert. The word of God made flesh. He took the word of God and he warped it and tried to get Jesus to bow down to him. He's so confident in his ability to counterfeit because so many people buy into it. But today we're going to bulldoze through his plan, amen? So let's talk about some of these. I'm just gonna pick some of these really foundational ones. Let's talk about love, the real thing. What is love? God tells us many times in scripture, but in 1 John 3, verse one, he says, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we are, okay? God is saying that I love you so much that you can find your identity in that. Love and identity are so tightly knit together. And he's saying, I am enough for you. You are my child and I am a good father. And the enemy knows that that will cause flourishing in your life and for you to glorify the Lord. So he takes it and he warps it into something else. And he says, no, this is real love. You can find your identity in the love of your boyfriend or your girlfriend or the love that your talents, appearances, and achievements provide. That's enough to hold you. That's who you are. Think about truth, the real thing. Psalm 119 verse 16 says, all of your word is truth and every one of your laws, which are always right, will last forever. That's the foundation of your life, y'all. That's the foundation of everything, that everything he says is always right and will never change and that will cause flourishing in your life for you to glorify God so the enemy takes it and he warps it and he says, no, whatever you feel is truth. And if the Bible doesn't fit with it, it's because it's old and not applicable anymore. Build your life on that. Let's talk about freedom and grace. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What that means is that sin doesn't control you anymore. You're free from your sin because you have my righteousness to look at. You have my word to follow. You don't have to be controlled by your flesh. That will cause flourishing in your life and for you to glorify God. So he takes it and he warps it and he says freedom in Christ means that your sins don't matter because there's so much grace for it. You can just go on sinning. 
Let me give you an example of a counterfeit, how it played out in my life. When my sweet son was born, I freaked out. I don't know how else to describe it. I freaked out. I didn't know how to be a mom. I was terrified of everything. I laid at night and thought, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? I was in a very vulnerable place. And the enemy saw me there. And he offered me a counterfeit of peace because I was so desperate for peace. And this is what it sounded like. If you control every outcome in your life, then nothing bad will happen. And then you'll have peace. And boy, did I try. I was like a hamster on a wheel, y'all. I was working hard and going nowhere. I tried to control every aspect, every moment of my life, of my son's life, because I couldn't let anything happen, because then I wouldn't have any peace. And it brought me to my breaking point. And I started to go, where's that peace that I was promised? This isn't how the Lord works. I knew that something was off. And I have found upon further examination that what the deceiver offers is not only a counterfeit of the real thing, therefore lacking in wholeness, it's actually the exact opposite of what he says it is. Because his plan is not to give you another option, his plan is to destroy you. John 8, he was a murderer from the beginning. There is no truth in him. I was sold a lie. What I desired was peace in my mind. What I got was chaos. Because when the testing came, it did not hold up. And I realized, boy, something is really off. And when I returned to the Lord, I said, where have I missed this? He brought it to the surface immediately. I did not realize that I had accepted a counterfeit until I remembered the real thing. This is what God says about peace in Philippians chapter 4. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness and everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. It's like a 50-pound weight was taken off of my shoulders when I was reunited with the real thing. And when the testing came and things started to happen that were way out of my control and the Lord came through because peace is not the absence of trial, which is what the enemy tried to sell me. Instead, with the real thing, no matter what happens in my life, I know he's good. And then when things start to happen that are out of my control, I remember that he is in control and that he is working things for good. The enemy is not offering you another option. He's trying to destroy you. And what he is offering is the exact opposite of what he is promising. When he promises truth, but you are, I'm sorry, when he promises love, but you are left with heartbreak. Because those people, those achievements, your appearance, those things can't hold your identity. You can't put expectations on people that only God can fulfill. When he promises truth, but you are left with lies because you can't base your truth off of what your feelings are or what the world says. Every day I wake up and I'm like afraid to look. What's the world going to be saying today? That shifting sand, y'all. You have to have a higher and unchanging standard, a solid rock to build your life on. When you are sold the promise of freedom, yet you are really sold the lie that 
somehow your sins don't matter anymore. And it will keep your mouth saying how free you are while your soul is bound in the chains that Jesus died to break. He promises you nothing. Think about my purse. This fake purse is the opposite of what it claims to be. This is not some fancy, handmade, luxurious bag. It's a cheap imitation. The one I bought in 2007 is long gone. It fell apart. It's, it's the opposite of what it's claiming to be. You know how people counterfeit money? Some people are really good at it. Like they make that money and boy, they go spend it. And the authorities who are the best at catching counterfeits are not the ones who have every kind of counterfeit memorized. The ones who are the best at catching a fake are the ones who know the real thing so well that they can spot a fake. There was a girl at my school who had a real Louis Vuitton. And geez, one day she walked up to me, she saw it, she took one look at it, she said, that's not real. And I said, excuse me, I got this in New York City, okay? course it's real. She's like, no, it's not. And when you touch the real thing, yes, this is real and no, it ain't mine. Uh, it's like, oh, instantly. It's totally different experience. Okay. This thing is like sturdy, right? This is uh, smooth leather. This metal isn't going to tarnish. You could give this thing to your grandkids. This could become a family heirloom. That isn't going to make it through the end of the year, I bet. Do you think the people at Louis Vuitton are sitting around worried about all these fakes that are getting made? No because it doesn't even compare. People are gonna keep buying the real thing. Y'all, the distractions don't hold up. Harry Styles is gonna be looking old a lot sooner than you thought. You might wanna reconsider some of that glory you've been giving him. That money that you want, it comes and it goes. Watch the news, they go up, they go down. They go up, they go down. Maybe what started as just an interest in zodiac signs has led you down a path of the occult that you never thought you would be on. That politician that you love will start doing things that they promised they wouldn't do, huh? You're gonna learn that the counterfeits are worthless and they leave you wanting. And sometimes we don't know it's a counterfeit until it falls apart. That was certainly the case for me. And it reminds me of the story that Jesus told us of the prodigal son. He lived in the house of his father. Things were going well for him. He was loved and taken care of. And then one day he got this idea in his mind about what success was. And he took his inheritance and he left. And he went looking for success, not under the wisdom and protection of his father though. And so instead of success, what did he find? Failure. He realized that what he had followed was not the real thing, but a counterfeit that brought the opposite of what it promised. And when he realized how empty and destructive it was, in one of his darkest moments, he remembered the real thing. How good and faithful his father was. And he said, I gotta go home. I gotta go home to the real thing. And he left that counterfeit behind just like that. He got up and he went home and he was greeted by his father who was waiting for him. And upon his return, he was restored all that he had given up. 
His father was even more good than he could have remembered or hoped for. What happens when you give up a counterfeit? You get the real thing. If you want it, you get the real thing. When you feel like you're being deceived, or maybe this is just a discipline that you should have in your life to assess. If you wonder, is my understanding of love wrong? Is my understanding of truth off? Have I been sold a lie? I dare you to turn on worship music that does not point to yourself, but to the glory of God. Open up his word with the intention of receiving it and say this phrase, you are my Lord. You are my Lord. Beholding his glory reminds me that he is my Lord. Yes, he is my friend, but he is my Lord. He is not a magic genie that I force to do my will or a vending machine where I pick and choose what I take and what I leave. No, he is Lord. In kid life, we say he's the boss of your life, right? That works for adults too. He has no rival and in his presence, against his holiness and purity, all those distractions and counterfeits become a little bit more obvious. And you should be encouraged by that because Jesus says this in Luke 10, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. That is a promise from your Lord. When you realign with what he says is true, when the Lord is seated in his rightful place, receiving your glory and your worship, you'll see that when the Lord promises love, you get loved. He says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor debt, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He can sustain you. And through all of life's changes and trials, he is the only constant one. And when the Lord promises truth, you get truth. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one gets to the Father except through me. And when the Lord promises freedom, you get free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed and he has no rival. James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Memorize that scripture before school starts. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. God has no rival. He has no equal. The one who has been cast down has no power in your life. Do you want the real thing? Have you followed a distraction and ignored Jesus? Giving your glory to something else. You didn't know that the real thing was this good. Have you exchanged a counterfeit for the real thing?